Welcome back, Darren Mitchell here, and welcome to the first episode of the podcast for 2024. And this particular interview is an absolute cracker. I was speaking with Andy Ordate, who is the founder of ProGreeter, a sales and marketing platform that streamlines the sales process for entrepreneurs, but he's also the CEO of Ordate Media, a global marketing agency for small to medium business owners. Uh, Andy is a phenomenal individual. He's 28 years old. Uh, he's, as you'll hear from the podcast, he is an entrepreneur, started very young, made his first million around about the age of 20 or 21, took 18 months off, and now is dedicating his time to uh, to helping others cre- create some extraordinary, extraordinary results. And from my point of view, uh, listening back to it, if there's one key theme that comes through this particular episode, it is the power of people in your proximity. It is the power of mentorship, and it is the value of mentorship. So... An absolutely cracking conversation, and uh, without further ado, let's get straight into the interview. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. This is uh, actually, this is the first one for 2024. So I have the absolute pleasure <laughs> of speaking <laughs> yes. with Mr. Andy Ordate from, I hope I got that right, Andy, Ordate. You can probably get, yeah. <laughs> probably get fix that up for me. Uh, Man, I heard today, I heard one one guy said to me, he said, he said I'm just going to call you Audacious. Like just audacious. go after it. He said, Right, because I'm I'm from Haiti, and my family's from Haiti, so that that name is French, and, and yeah, it's it's from a, from an American standpoint or even Sydney standpoint, it's it's a hard word to say, but uh, Ade is the last name. All right, love it. Uh, all the way from Las Vegas, originally from Haiti, um, founder of Progreta or Progreta dot <laughs> com, sales and marketing platform that streamlines uh, sales process for entrepreneurs, uh, and also the CEO of Ordite media uh, global marketing agency for small and medium businesses so you've got a, a pretty interesting background andy which i'd love to delve into and um we actually just before we press record we're talking about the fact that you're from the um less brown school of of um of speakers as well so you've got a bit of experience there working with uh, the great les brown which i'd maybe like to delve into as well but before we jump into today's episode, let's uh, just get a bit of background for the listener's point of view of the story, according to Andy, and what led you to doing what you're doing now, my friend. Yeah, I mean, so sales has been a a tool of freedom for me, my friend. And so you, first and foremost, I acknowledge you for creating this podcast and helping other people level up their skill sets and their mindset on how they think about service to there are people around them in their community, how to make money and so forth. So I acknowledge you first and foremost. Uh, I started in my journey, man. Uh, my first sales gig was uh, taking my mom's lemonade in the, in the in the kitchen and going out in the street and and saying, hey, I got some lemonade. I'll sell you a cup for a dollar. So I took my mom's cups. I took my mom's lemonade in the fridge and I said, hey, man, I'm going to go get me 10 bucks and, you know, end up making 20 bucks. Right. And in that journey, that's when I saw the idea of freedom. And then from from there, as a as a young lad, now I wanted sneakers. That my my real sales journey started when I sold sneak when I wanted the sneakers, the Nike Air Forces, the ones with the okay. swoosh swoosh Velcro. Yeah. I thought in sixth grade I would be the coolest guy if I had those sneakers. And I went to my dad. I said, "Hey, dad, can you get me those sneakers?" And he said, "You know what? Let me think about that." Comes back a couple of days later. He says, "Andy, I'm going to go to New York." Do you want those those shoes? I'm like, yes, get me the Nike Air Forces. Here's my size. Here's the, I want the black ones. This is going to give me game at school in my sixth grade class. He comes back and he doesn't have the sneakers. I said, dad, what happened with the sneakers? I, I'm looking through all the bags, looking for the sneakers. What, what happened? And he says to me, I didn't have enough money. And at that moment, I said, you know what? I get it. I got to mm-hmm. go and get it myself. So I went to the neighborhood, grabbed a rake. And I went to the neighborhood and I live on the East Coast. I'm from the small state in the country of the United States. Went to the East Coast. The, the, the leaves fall during the fall. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go to people's door and I'm going to knock and I'm going to ask them to let me shovel or let me rake their, their yard. I raked. Uh, I, I asked maybe three people. And then the fourth person says yes. 
And then I started realizing there's this game of yes and no. That still is real today, right? <laughs> Where you ask a bunch of people, more say no. But at the end of the day, you have a bunch of yeses, more no's than yeses. But those yeses end up creating profit. Yeah. I I shovel or I raked 16 people's houses for 10 bucks each, made 160 bucks. And I didn't want to buy the sneakers. Why? Because it was my money. <laughs> it was my money now. <laughs> it was my money. Then at 19 years old, a couple of years later, I started a cell phone business and I was the youngest T-Mobile franchise in history. And I started my first cell phone team franchise at 19, owned four locations with them. By 21, I made my first million, moved to the West Coast where I live now. And now I help small business owners grow and scale their business using technology because technology is what allowed me to advance. When my competitors were doing sales processes the old mundane way, I yeah. introduced technology and social media. And that is what allowed me to grow and scale my business. And what I what I still see today is that technology is still underserved in many small businesses. Now I give them the access to the right technology that's going to help them grow and scale their business. Love it. Love it. There's a lot in that. And um, I reckon the the early experiences with um, <laughs> raking leaves but not wanting to spend your own money, I think that's fascinating. <laughs> Did you ever get the, uh, the pair of Nikes, though? I did. I got the pair of Nikes in 2018. So so it ended up taking me like 10 years to get it because <laughs> because but it's something that I forgot. It's 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 actually something that I forgot. I got the money for the Nikes and it was I got 160 bucks and I had laid it on my bed. And I remember this like yesterday. So I at this time I'm I don't know maybe 10 or 11 years old and I laid it on my bed and I had ones and tens and 20s and I'm ironing the money. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ironing the money, making sure that it's safe and it's taken care of. And my mom walks in, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm making sure my money's taken care of. And I'm, I, you know, the mentors, everyone tells you to take care of your money. So I'm taking care of my money. I'm ironing my money, making sure that's flat because it was wrinkly. And then I just didn't want to spend the money. And next thing you know, I went on this pursuit of just creating more income and, and creating more, more cash. From that, I, I saved enough money over the course of a couple of years I remember when I was 16, I got my license. I took my mom's car and I went to my friends at high school, in my high school. And I said, hey, do you want to make 20 bucks this weekend? And they said, what do you want me to do? I said, what I want you to do is I want you to go into the store and buy the latest Jordans that just came out. Because when you, in here in the United States, you can't, when a, a new sneaker releases and there's a line, you can't buy more than one. One person has to buy a, one unit for themselves. You can't go in there and just scoop them all up, especially if there's a line behind you. Yeah. So I would pay my friends 20 bucks who are 16 years old with me. And then I would buy the shoe for 170 bucks. And I would buy, for example, 10, spend $1,700, give them each $20. They would be in my mom's van all crowded up the night before with sleeping in the car, camping, waiting for the sneakers to release. And then I would take the shoes, go to Facebook Marketplace, post those shoes, that after I got them and then sell them for 270, 350 bucks, make a profit. So I spent 1700 bucks, made $3,500 and I would just cycle this income. So I just kind of went through this journey of like, yeah, you know, as an adult, I own different businesses, like, like a T-Mobile business. But what I realized in throughout this journey, whatever the product is, sales was the identity or yeah. well, it was in the middle of, of it all. It was my ability to communicate and have people understand my vision. I was selling the person who was 16 years old with me on how they can make 20 bucks this weekend. I was selling the, the, the sneaker store, telling them to allow me to buy all these shoes. I was selling the, the, the actual sneaker to the end buyer when I would sell it up on Facebook Marketplace. So whether I'm selling cell phones, whether I'm selling sneakers as a, as a young uh, teenager, or whether I'm selling raking services as, a, as, a, as, a, uh, as an 11 year old, it all comes around to sales and marketing. Absolutely. Now, question as you were talking about that that came to mind is where did where did you I know you mentioned you got the realization when you're knocking on doors and you got the third person to say, yes, yes, you can help, you can rake my lawn. You say, Oh, this is the numbers game, right? Yeah. So apart from that realization, who who was it in your early years that was like a mentor or an example for you that sort of helped you on this path? Because everybody goes on a hero's journey and everybody at some stage finds a mentor that helps them that looking back has been a like a a huge influence on on who you become. Who was that for you? My mom. My mom. So when so this is so I'm 28 now. I'm 20 years old now. I've been an entrepreneur 
with employees and staff for the last 10 years. So from 19 to 28. So so for the last 10 years, or I'm 29 now, actually. My birthday was two days ago, three days ago. So I'm 29 That's now. Like so, so thank you so much, Darren. And so over the last 10 years, I've been running this businesses that I would call enterprise level, where I have staff, I have revenue, I'm in the seven figures, so on and so forth. However, before that, uh, I've been just having different hustles. Now, before I started my first hustle, which with the... Um, shoveling or raking leaves my mom I, she owned a store called gnb uniforms which mm -hmm. she sold the dentist uniform or the they call it scrubs so yep. what the dentist will use or the nurses will use and i would just look at her sell these products and i'm just there watching her make money or or making an, make an income from this and she had a brick and mortar store so i started understanding like okay people come in some people buy some people don't buy but at the end of the month, there's money. Mm. So it's about the people that do buy. That's where you get the income from. The people that don't buy, it's a numbers game. Okay, I understand that. So I started seeing that in fifth grade and so on and so forth. Now, however, when I saw this, I said, Mom, can I have my own opportunity? And she said, what do you want to do? Actually, I, I sold her on this idea of something called Andy's Kid Shop, which she had a magazine of the different vendors that she worked with. And I said, hey, there's novelty items, there's jump ropes, there's, you know, there's jump ropes, there's flashlights, there's like basic, there's candy in this yep. magazine. She would completely surpass that and go to the adult products, which is her product that she was selling in the store, the scrubs and so on and so forth in the same magazine. I said, can I buy these items, the, 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 the toys and the novelty products, and can I have this little corner over here in the store, call it Andy's Kid Shop, because I saw that when an adult came in, they always had a kid with them. Many times, the mom, who's the nurse, had a kid with them. So I would say, hey, let me sell to the kid. Let me sell to the kid. I'm a kid. I'll buy this. Let me sell to the kid. You know, not realizing that kids don't have money, right? <laughs> you know, but I said, let me sell to the kids. Actually, still to this day, you know, I don't know, what's that, 16 years later or 15, I don't even know how to, uh, oh, actually, how old would I be? This is 20 years later. So so wow. almost 20 years later, it's still in my mom's garage because I never sold enough. However, <laughs> so however, that's that's when I started, my friend. You know, that, that was a journey. And and we had Andy's kid shop uh right next door. I ended up be running a barbershop, working at a barbershop, and my job was to uh uh sweep the floor and then I started realizing how transactions were made. I at one point I was a barber and I was cutting people's hair for ten dollars a pop and you know, so I've done a lot under the sun, man. I understand income and capitalism to to its its umpteenth degree when it comes down to being young, being a hustler, and going out and get it by any means necessary. I've done that. Well, <laughs> man, I was a bar. I was a barber. So I mean, imagine there anything for you, man. You go into a barber shop. You have an option. You want to get your. You want to get. You want to get a haircut fast. And the the main barbers are are tied up, and then I'm behind. At that time, I might have been 12 years old. I'm that I come to you, and I'm like, "Hey, I'll cut your hair." These are some photos of of people that I've done. Look at my phone. Yeah. And back and and I'll say, "I'll cut your hair," and you look at me, and I'm like, "Dude, sit down." And with with, with so much confidence, I'm like, "Sit down. Cut. If you don't love it, don't pay me." And you're like, "Okay, okay." And you sit down. I cut your hair, and then now you see this these four adults in front of me and then I'm in the back in my chair. I got my own session, my, my own section cutting up hair. And then, you know, if you're in line waiting and you see this man walk by with a nice haircut, you're going to say, you know what? I might as well get it done by the 12 year old. And then that, that, that's what, that's what started my journey. My, my man, <laughs> I should never really, I should, I don't think I ever brought that up on a podcast before. So do you, um, do you, in what you do, cause I know you got a lot of people working for you now. Do you provide free haircuts? <laughs> No, I don't provide. I don't, I don't provide free haircuts. Actually, my brother, uh, he came over for the holiday, so we're recording this podcast in January. So he was here last month, and still he was like, "Hey, can you cut me up?" And then we were going to my bathroom, and I'll just cut him up, my little brother. So because he understands I have that skill set, but I don't provide free haircuts for our, my employees. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's and was that the first time you shared it on a podcast? Did you say? Yeah, yeah, this is the first time I've shared on I've shared this on a podcast that I that I used to do haircuts in. I I wrote it in my book. I wrote a book called No More Average. And in the book I shared a story about my first million in, in, in business, which was the cell phone stores. Yeah. But but uh and I share it there, but this is my first time ever on a podcast, Shane. Like, yeah, 
I brought you through the journey of of haircuts, of of just raking leaves. I did shoveling snow. I sold sneakers. You know, uh, I sold cars. I sold store. computers. The kid shop, yeah, the kid shop, the whole the whole nine yards, man. This been a hustle hustle since I can remember, man. So with that, a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, okay, uh, any everybody everybody on the planet is in sales. Whether you're selling a physical product, a virtual product, an idea, yourself, whatever the case might be. Um, but any, I don't have the skill set. It takes me a lot of time to to learn something. How how can you like? Go into a bit more detail on the um on the barber shop. You're working for a barber. Surely you would have had some training in order to be able to cut cut hair. Now in Australia, most people go through, I think it's a three year apprenticeship to become a hairdresser. Right? Yeah. Um, you're 12 years old in a barber shop, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I'm hearing, I'm 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 looking at um things from like the movie The Blues Brothers, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. stores and there's lots of fantastic music and all the brothers are there and stuff like that but if you listen if people are listening to this and thinking well i need to have a skill set i need to learn technique um what's your because what it sounds like is you're a fast mover you you don't think about stuff a lot you're an action taker and an action taker in sales is really critical to be able to get some momentum and then so i'm, gonna, I'm not without putting words into your mouth are you an action taker first and you build the skill set and the competency as you take action, or is there a bit of work you have to do up front so that when you do take action, you maximize your opportunities? So I think there is a framework to success that a lot of people don't understand, the value of mentorship. When I was running a, uh, when I was a barber, I'm, I'm talking about 12 years old, that means at 11 years old, I worked and I swept a floor. So if you look at the journey, I was sweeping the floor of this barber shop and I'm looking at the barber who's running this business and I'm looking at his skill set. I'm asking questions, I'm understanding. And then I've developed the skill set through practice where he guided me. So then I started cutting my own hair, cutting hair, and I ended up being good at it. Then I left that industry because you only, you know, $10 a pop. There's only so much money you can make, man. And, and $10 a pop, if it takes you an hour to cut someone's hair, right? So I left that industry and then I go through different industries. But then one of the industries was the cell phone store. Well, I was an employee working at a cell phone dealership, working with a small franchise at the time. He had 10 locations. And from 10 locations, today he's at today he's at 150. But back then, when he had 10 locations, I had enough proximity to the business owner where the location that I was working at was the, his office. So right behind me was his office, the owner of that cell phone franchise. So I'm an employee and I'm a sales rep. My job is to just create revenue. And but I'm listening to understand how he runs his business. So he's he's one day the, the store is the, the store is there's no clients there. And I go into the back of the office and I say, hey man, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing payroll. And I'm like, what's payroll? And and he's explaining it to me. I remember his his uh his his girlfriend at the time was 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 educating me on credit, and it, it's like Andy, you know, you can get credit. Mind you, I, at this time I'm like 17 years old, so he's like, you can get credit, and you can get a credit card, and they give you the money, and and so on and so forth. Now, what ended up happening? The value of mentorship is so keen. What ended up happening is, I had a good run at sales for a few months, and I made a lot of commission at that time. A lot of commission would could have been like six grand or seven grand, and so I put for a 17 year old seven grand is pretty decent. So I put that money in the bank and I said, I want to buy the car. I want to buy a car. And I went to him and I said, hey, I'm going to I have an opportunity because I put all the commission to the side. I have a 1999 Honda Accord, little hoopty. The transmission kind of slips, you know, the seats rock, you know, it's kind of kind of kind of kind of non-reliable. Should I get a new car? And he said to me, ride your car verbatim. I still remember this, you know, how many years, 12 years later verbatim he tells me ride your car until the wheels fall off i said okay i'll I'll do it until the wheels fall off i'll keep driving so when the transmission's slipping i'm just like the, the wheels ain't fall off yet so i ride this car now here's what ends up, ends up happening at 19 years old so i worked for him for two years at 19 years old someone looks at me and said andy i believe in you so much you should run your own cell phone store and i said i looked at the guy i said i'm 19 years old i'm black i'm overweight i'm from the hood I'm a college dropout. There's no way I could be successful. What do you mean run my own cell phone store? Sometimes you got to take on someone else's belief before you take on yeah. yours. Yeah. And so I said, run my own cell phone store. 
And he said, if you decide to run your own software store, I'll come and I'll work for you. Because I believe in you. And I said, shoot. So two months later, I quit my job and I started my own software store. Now, I I opened up my my, my own location. And this was at a time where T-Mobile uh, purchased a company called Metro PCS. And so I went with my ego and I just opened up my own location. And the first six months, my business wasn't operating financially profitable for six months. Come to find out, I didn't know that sales and marketing was a, a need. I thought it was just sales. Mm. When someone comes in, my ability to convert that person. What they had on my previous job when I was running the cell phone store was they had a system to get people to walk in. Yeah, Flyers, advertisements, callers. And then I was just a salesperson that when they came in, I would just convert them. So within six months, I realized that I went back to my my old um, manager and I said, hey, can I partner up with you? Can we partner up on, on some locations? And I'll work. I'll do the work. You teach me the business. So essentially, it's a win-win because he's going to get additional stores. He gives me the knowledge. I'll take on all the liability and all the risk. And so I ended up partnering up with him. We opened up four locations. And then I made some money. But the reason I made that money is because I had that mentorship. Mm. Now, leaving that business, if you look at the consistency of the story, there's an element where I always learn from someone else and then I go do it myself. Leaving the, the cell phone business, I left the cell phone industry because I saw the, the, the direction of Facebook and leaving brick and mortar to go into click and order. At the time, I'm 21. I know yeah. I can't. There's not an opportunity for me to be here in the next 40 years. This brick and mortar is, is slowly, slowly, slowly vanishing away. And I started seeing that in one of our locations where people weren't going to the mall as much. So I started realizing, like, let me focus on click and order because that's where I can retire at. Yeah. Then then I, I started the speaking. I learned from Les Brown, joined his program, spent time with him, and then I started speaking on my own. In the time of me speaking, I I learned from a gentleman who built a $100 million software company. I became a, uh, an, an affiliate for him. Out of the thousands of affiliates, I was number two. Mm. And I became an affiliate for him where I was packing out seminars and bringing people together, selling their software. And I learned how they built a hundred million. They're backed by Goldman Sachs. They got their, their players in the space of software. I learned for a few years between 2018, 2021, I learned for a few years on what they did to build a hundred million dollar software. And I left and I ended up starting Progretto and I share with the world, my hundred million dollar software plan. And so there's a consistent journey of learning from someone and you're playing this game of progression where you're learning from someone, taking every, that information and applying it yourself and you level up a little bit. What I think that most people fail at is they learn from someone, they apply it and they stay there for the next 40 years and they never progress. What, I'm, what yeah. I've known in my journey is, is learning, leveling up, learning, leveling up, <clears throat> learning, level up. Because the attitude there is, is there's always another level to get to. There's you're always you're always saying there's there's more there's more I can provide there's more I can give there's more I can share. There's another yeah. there's another level of performance. And if you look at all the exceptional leaders, business people, sports people in the world, they all have that exact same attitude. They're never satisfied with where they're at ever. For sure. So through that process, I know that um, uh, there would have been a lot of successes, a lot of good times, but also I'm sure there would have been a lot of challenges. Um, a lot of obstacles you would have had to have dealt with. Um, maybe some really big ones, maybe some small ones, maybe some annoying ones. Um, as you look back on your journey so far, and you're only 28, as you say, so in the, in the whole scheme of things, man, you're just getting started. Um, yeah. What are some of the what are some of the key lessons and key obstacles that you look back on now? And as Steve Jobs says, you can't really join the dots until you look backwards. Some of the challenges you had to go through that you look back on them now and say, thank God I did that because if it wasn't for that challenge or that obstacle or that issue, I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't be who I am today. What are some of the key challenges that you've had to deal with? One, uh, so what what ended up happening with, um, <laughs> what ended up happening? Well, in, in, my, in my journey, there's always been ups and downs. And, and one of the, one of the downs is, uh, I'll be vulnerable in, in the cell phone store. My ego got big and I ended up uh, opening up locations a little bit too fast. One okay. of the locations too fast. Yeah. Now, inside of the T-Mobile brand, you can work, and it's been enough years, so I can discuss this. But you can, inside of the T-Mobile brand, there's different 
um, there's different networks. Yep. I mean, with all carriers in America, there's a top four, right? You have Verizon, you have Sprint, you have AT&T and you have T-Mobile. Now what ends up happening is different brands. So for example, inside of AT&T, right underneath it, there's another, there's their prepaid brand, which is called Cricket Wireless. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's, there's a bunch of other brands. So when I opened up with T-Mobile, I saw an opportunity for a demographic that T-Mobile didn't see. And I wanted to go towards that demographic. And I opened up a different brand that was under T-Mobile, but a competitor to the core brand that I started off with. Okay. And when I opened up that location, the leader of the brand that I was working with didn't like that because it was messing with their numbers, right? Because although I'm winning in it, because I have both locations, if they don't like this one, they can go to this one. Now, T-Mobile as a whole is going to be winning regardless. Yeah, absolutely. But the leaders of the, the brand number one is like, hey, dude, I can pull you out. So I ended up, I ended up, uh, I ended up opening up a location. And then I remember the leader, one of the leaders came up to me and said, we don't appreciate that. We don't like that. You didn't, you know, so on and so forth. And then they end up threatening to pull me out, pull me out of the contract. Now, what the so contract says, I will lose, I will lose two stores, okay. lose two locations. Now, which, mind you, for example, rent in one location is sixteen thousand dollars a month, sixteen thousand dollars US, right? So you're out a lot of money, and at twenty years old, you can make a lot of money. I was making six figures a month. So you can make a lot of money, but regardless, if I have two locations, sixteen thousand dollars a piece, that's thirty-two thousand dollars. So even though I make a hundred grand a month, I've already lost thirty-two thousand dollars on just the rent, besides yes. the other additional operational fees, right? Yeah, I need to be able to make that money and and profit. Um, come to find out, when the they threatened to take the locations from me, and in that learning curve, my faith with God got stronger. In that moment, because I'm on this high. I'm 20 years old, man. I'm making all this money. I, I'm making so much money. I don't even have my. I don't even have a personal car. I, I was renting cars, and I'll buy this Mercedes today, this Audi this next day, whatever car I wanted. It, I was flipping cars. I was traveling. I was having fun. One day I'm in Miami. The next day I'm in Las Vegas. I'm not even allowed to drink alcohol. I'm in Las Vegas, bringing friends to Las Vegas, spending all this money. Right? <laughs> You're not even 21 yet. <laughs> I, at the time I was even 21. Um, but they pulled the they 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 pulled the card. That I'm gonna remove that store from you. I ended up selling it. It's still open today. I ended up selling okay. it away. However, my learning curve in that moment was have faith in God. That yeah. God's gonna pull you out of whatever situation. So that was my teaching moment in that moment when I'm like going against this beast of a company, right? T-Mobile. You're using like, what the fuck? And and, I, and and I'm like, you know what? Have faith in God. Come to find out, rather than them pulling it out, away from me, I ended up cutting a deal with them gave the locations to them, it's still on operations today. And I, that's what gave me the opportunity to leave the East Coast and move to the West Coast because I was stuck in the East Coast. Yeah, I was stuck. My vision was to speak and help people and motivate people. And I couldn't leave to go to anywhere else in the, in the world because my location is in one place. Um, that's another thing that I learned is, is the ability to be mobile. So the reason why I run a software business is because today I'm in Las Vegas. Two weeks ago, I was in Philippines. Next week, I'm in San Diego. Me and my wife are going to Portland, Oregon. Like we're we're traveling and business still operational as, as usual. The next thing that I that I learned is fear is a direction. Every time that I have fear is a, a direction. Yeah. You know so those, those about that? Where, what I mean by that is every time that I've understood success or created success, there was a pivotal, pivotal moment where there was like a fork in the road. I can go into this direction that makes me comfortable such as go get a nine to five job, don't take the risk. Or there's a direction that has a little bit of fear. There's, there's this nervousness in your stomach, but the people in America call it butterflies. Mm -hmm. You have these butterflies and that's the fearful direction. That's the direction to take. So I'm gonna go back to the cell phone because we we're talking about it. That when I had the opportunity to open up my second location, when I had the opportunity to open up my second location, I wrote down... In 2014, I wrote down my goal on December 31st, going into the new year. So December 31st, 2014, I wrote down my goal at my first store, at, and it was my only store at the time. I said, I want to make a million dollars in my bank account. I want to have a million dollars in my bank account. That's my target. 19 years old, going into 20. And two weeks later, 
two weeks later, I get I get a phone call where there's a Subway restaurant. Subway is a, a is a big brand. I, is it all across the world? Is there yeah, Subway restaurant? We got we got Subway literally five minutes from where I live. Okay, okay, got it, got it. I know, <laughs> I know you. Okay, and so so there's a Subway restaurant that needs a rescue, where we'll take over that Subway restaurant, strip it down, and we'll turn it into a T-Mobile store, and. I get to be the franchise operator of that location. I get to run that store. So I had to go vet the location. Mind you, they, these people are looking at me like you just graduated high school. But I come in with so much confidence and and and, and this potency of knowledge where I come in and I say, okay, we're going to take out the banners. We're going to do, you know, change the color to this color. We're going to change the floorboard, so on and so forth. And I negotiate this deal. And I was completely terrified to open up my second location. Why? Because I had the first one that's operating. And I felt that if I can, if anything were to happen, I can always jump in and save it. But I can't be yeah. in two places at once. Yeah. So come to find out that there's a contract in front of me. And it's to open up this location. The rent is 16000 bucks a month. Okay, the rent is 16000 bucks a month. And I was thinking about it for, for a couple of days. And I went back to them. And I said, give me the paper. I'm going to sign it right now before I, before I, I walk away. And I signed the deal, one of the best decisions that I made. I opened up second second store. Then there was an opportunity for me to open up an additional two more stores in, in the malls, the, the top malls in the in the in the in the state. Open up those locations. Every single time that I opened up the location, I was fearful, I was scared, I was terrified, and it proved out to be right. December 31st, 2015, I made my first million. That's when I took that money. And then and then in 2016, I let go of the locations. And I moved to the West Coast, and that's when I started. I retired for 18 months, and during that retirement, that's when I started to learn how to speak. I traveled with Les Brown, and I was pouring into other people because I didn't need the money. I, I made enough. Yeah, I was pouring into people for a year and a half, and that's what got me my start in my speaking journey. Wow. So, what do you say to people to say, "Oh, Andy, you got lucky. You're at the right place at the right time." All right. For sure. For sure, and I think success has a, has an element of luck with it. When you when you ask people about their story, there's always like this element of being in the right place at the right time, where technology was at the right place at the right time, you know. Because Mark Zuckerberg is not the first person to create Facebook. No, no, right. But there there's elements of the right investor, the right person, the right the right people, and and that's what creates success. Success when when it's not that I was lucky per se. I would say that I was consistent. And it's and it sounds like you also had good people who you listened to, you observed, you were curious, you asked questions about. So the keeping people who are your mentors close to you that you could watch, observe, ask questions, model. Mm -hmm. Even the mentor today that put me onto the cell phone business, I'll go to the East Coast. Um, you know, he travels a lot more because he has 150 locations throughout the world, throughout the country now. But when, whenever he's in town, we still get an opportunity to meet and, and, and connect. And all my mentors over the years, I still have a have a pulse or a relationship. However, I realize that it is a game of building relationships, keeping relationships, and elevating with knowledge. If I'm 28 years old talking about building, I'm building $100 million software company with Progretta, I can only imagine what my 40s look like, what my 50s look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you might be sitting on a beach somewhere. With you, man, me and you, me, me, me and you, brother, man, with the white sand in our toes, <laughs> eating subway and maybe free haircuts. <laughs> hey, man, man, you never know, man. Give me so me, me, you eating some subway. I'm cutting your hair, brother. <laughs> why, why are you doing a sales presentation? Love it, love it. Hey, um, love to know as we move forward into 2024, um. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you've covered today, and there's a lot of there's a lot of great great teachings and great experience that people can take away from this. And in terms of you know just in sales, whether you're selling whether you're selling shoes, whether you're selling mobile phones, whether you're selling ideas, whether you're selling software, whether you're selling ideas. Yes, it is a numbers game, but there has to be there's a lot of it around mindset. And you mentioned having proximity to. Um, to mentors, you also talked about your faith, and there might be people listening to this who are not um, religious per se, but it's but it has to be. You've got to have a belief, a deep seated belief in your capabilities, and also, I think you mentioned also before that you know if there are people that believe in you and you're not quite there yourself, take the belief that that person has in you 
and run forward with that. For sure, yeah. It's absolutely critical. So as we look forward in 2024, and if you listen to a lot of the, I guess, the experts in in finance, there's going to be another tumultuous year. Um, from a selling perspective, from your perspective, running running your businesses, what are you looking at in some of the key skills that we need to have as salespeople, but also as sales leaders, whether you're in a business running a sales team, whether you're in your own organization and trying to expand that organization, what are some of the key skill sets that we need to um, grab hold of and get better at in order to maximize our our potential this year? I think what's underserved is the is the use of technology in the sales process. And when we look at technology, first and foremost, sales is a relationship game. That's what sales yeah. is. So you're, you're building and maintaining relationships and painting a, a, a picture of what your product, your service can do to give value to your end user, your customer. Now, if you can use technology to convey that, it's going to make it a lot easier for you. But it's not even about just the easiness. It's going to make it available. And so what I mean by that, if I'm interested in buying a car, if I contact a sales representative of a car dealership, like, for example, I bought a Mercedes Benz. I didn't I bought I bought a, when I bought my Mercedes Benz. I walked into the dealership. A gentleman approached me, built a relationship with me. I see his kids. He showed me pictures of his kids. I'm like, dude, I like you. Mercedes is cool. Right. Mercedes is cool. But I like you personally. A couple of years passed. Now it's time for me to upgrade my car. Okay. And I don't contact Mercedes 800 number. I call the sales rep that, that helped me out. Right. And I say, Hey brother, I'm, I'm back looking for a new deal. and I, I want to upgrade. Now, if he had the technology to be able to allow me to set up an appointment with him to communicate with me, I wouldn't be forced to contact the, the 800 number and give me a subpar experience hmm. because even he as a salesperson can have artificial intelligence follow-up sequences, text message sequences to help me move the sale closer to the value that I want to have. Yeah. The, the experience that I want to have is make it easier. I'm going to give you another example. Um, I I have a service provider that I'm aware of who helps me run, uh, who can do marketing services for me and my company. I reached out to the service provider and I said, hey, I want to pay you uh, $10,000. And this was on... This was on December 28th, so a couple of days ago. I want to pay you $10,000, and I want to have you complete the service for me, okay? Now, this person is extremely busy. Yeah. This person, the reason I wanted to pay him the $10,000 on December 28th was because it would offset my taxes, right? It would offset my, my, my taxes by a little bit, but I said, I'm ready to pay the $10,000. Let's do business. His, he said, yeah, sure, like, let's get started. No invoice was sent. No follow-up. No ability to book an appointment. I'm the one having to reach out and follow up to him. I end up saying, forget it. Yeah. He contacted me a couple of days later. He says, hey, man, it's January. Like, Happy New Year. Are you ready to get started? And I'm like, this was an opportunity for December. You're too late on the money. I already spent the money in another area because I was already set on offsetting my taxes anyway for the service. I'll just do if I if I want to contact you, I'll just do a monthly deal with you where I'll pay you monthly over time now. Yeah. Instead of you yeah. paying ten thousand dollars. So the value for me, I, I'm thinking of myself as a consumer. I was but the value for me, I wanted to do the deal. I'm excited to do the deal. He's a sales representative. And instead of having the technology to help me push the deal forward to get the value that I wanted, I was relying on his human ability to communicate with me. Yeah. So I think what's underserved today is for sales representatives to un to utilize technology and use it as a tool to help them in the process rather than a replacement. Like AI is not going to replace a sales representative, but it can help you move the deal forward. And that's what Progretta does in the first place. It's interesting you say that because there are a lot of organizations out there that almost, almost seem to go out of their way to make it harder for their customers to get access to them. It's like they've got to get their customers to jump through hoops just to get to the right person or the right department. And I reckon that the the key differentiator, if, if you can get access to the person you need to get access to really quickly and it makes it easy for you to do that and you don't actually have to do a, a physical phone call, then what is that creating in terms of the impression you have of that person, your ability to want to do business with them? It goes up. So making mm -hmm. it easy to get access to you is a, is a key thing. Something as simple as this, man. If I call a sales rep and he's with a customer, 
just I'm not even talking about a business because this is valuable for a business. But if I call a sales rep and he's with a customer, I understand that he's with a customer, but I want to I want to be updated. So like the reason why I created Progret in the first place, there's different tools in our software. One of the things that we have is what we call missed call text back. So if you call a sales rep that uses our software and that person does not pick up the call, it responds automatically on upon the missed call and says, hey, I'm not available right now. Similar to like what a voicemail would do. How can yeah. I help? Allowing your customer to then respond and have a conversation with, with artificial intelligence and have a robot. If the AI can't, can't handle the situation, it'll yeah. say, well, I can't answer that question. Let's schedule an appointment. That gives the customer the next step rather than calling the person to pick up. Oh, shit, I'm out of luck, man. I got to figure this out on my own. You know, I, I hang up with the, the call, the, leave a, I leave a voicemail, and if I have a real issue, I'm going to go to Google. When I'm in Google, I'm going to end up going to someone else's sales funnel. And if yeah. that person has this type of technology, I'm booked on that person's calendar. When their original sales reps call me back, I say, you know what, never mind, I'm good. I don't need you anymore. I figured it out because yeah. I scheduled a call with someone else. And so this is not even just on the sales reps perspective. This is also on the business. The business needs that technology as well. That's what the difference. And I think that the one who makes it the most easiest for the customer to move forward in business with you is the one who's going to win in this new technology, especially going into 2024. I love that. Making it easier to get access, which when you think about it, you go back to the old days. That's exactly what, that's what I had, that people will still do business with people who they know they like and they trust. And you want to have a human conversation, right? And yes, there's all these automation tools and, you know, you can sell by chat and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, people want to do business with people who they have a level of credibility with and they make them feel as if they're a wanted and a valued person at a human level, right? Yeah. Now, you were talking about the the car dealer, the, the, the Mercedes guy. If that Mercedes person was still there, you're going to be that person's going to be top of mind the first time you think about upgrading your car. Mm -hmm. And I often say that to people that the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made. So that person could have sold you a car and thought, fantastic, now I've got to get on to the next customer so I can get my next month's quota done. But if they continue to nurture that relationship, and I'd be interested to know from you in terms of for that Mercedes dealership, how often did, did he stay in contact with you over the duration of your experience with that, that car? And if he did, you're more likely to think about him when it comes to renewal, right? So here's the crazy thing about it, man, is he actually was consistent in communication with me. Now, I don't know about Mercedes commission or their commission structure of how it works, but he stayed in consistent communication. Now, what I didn't know is that he was following up manually. All that activity was manual. And uh, when I contacted him most recently, he was no longer there. He, he, he left. And there was opportunity for him to make additional income and, and commission elsewhere and, and, and so on and so forth. Now, the reason I share that with you is because his process was manual labor. He was following up with me for sure. He was texting me on his cell phone. He would follow up with me on his cell phone. He would call me and leave me a voicemail. Now, because I'm in technology and my software does this, I go to him and I'm like, hi, how are you leaving that voicemail? He's like, I just pick up my iPhone and I call you and I left the voicemail when I don't have customers. And I said, there you go. That's the problem. The experience that I got that made me come back, that yeah. could have been automated. So that way you can focus on more customers. But instead, you were doing it manual. That's why you didn't get the enough commission that you wanted. The reason I share that with you is because today he could have been there to serve me on my most recent follow-up or my recent my most recent visit. He wasn't because the commission wasn't there. And it was because he was doing activities manual. So even as a business, if I was a car dealership owner, I would empower my team to use technology rather than saying this AI is going to replace us. I would empower my team to use technology to help move the sale forward. So that way, the 40 hours that you spend is actually talking to people, yeah. not doing the 150 cold call dials, follow up sequences that are, are manual, leaving 100 voicemails. I'm not teaching them that. I'm teaching them how to use GPT and AI. So that way, when they are talking to people, they're talking to live people every single moment that they possibly can in an eight-hour time frame yeah. during their day. Yeah, which is out, which is outsourcing the stuff that makes sense. That if you can get it automated, then do it. As yeah. long as it doesn't compromise the customer experience and how you make that customer feel. So it needs to be still personalized. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah. when like the, the way the, the value of the personalization is is very important. The same thing that I would do if someone if someone if someone calls my cell phone and I'm doing a podcast, right? If I'm and, and I'm doing a recording, I would stop this recording for a moment for a second. I would glance at my cell phone. And I would type in, "Hey, hey, uh, hey, John, I'm currently not available right now. I'm, I'm currently in a session. Can I call you back soon? Or can we schedule a call? Here's my calendar link to schedule a call at a time I'm available. Looking forward yep. to talk to you." I would text that manually. What I do is I just now take that same message and I put in my software and I say, hi, contact name. I'm not available right now. I'm currently in a session. Can we schedule a time? Here's my calendar link. Schedule, you know, they they can go ahead and schedule themselves. Yeah. Same experience. I just use technology to help me. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between who's going to be able to make it in the next 10 years and who's not. Yeah. Like it. Like it. So technology is the first one. What other key sales skills do you think are going to be top of mind for this get year? Get training. Get training. Get training. <laughs> get, get, get training. If you did good in 1992 and you're, you're like, hey, man, in 1992, I had a superb sales year and it's 2024. And you're like, I mean, I got a skill set from 1992. We live in a new world. We, we we live in a new world. There's new technology. There's new advancement. So get around someone who can train you and give you the right advice on how to greet, how to qualify, how to present, how to close, how to follow up, how to nurture, and do that on a consistent basis. Uh, every single morning I go to the gym and I and I'm training. Every but because I had a good year when I was 16 in in, in varsity doesn't mean that hey man I don't I don't need to train anymore. No, every morning you gotta you gotta you gotta train. Same thing with with with, with the what creates income. And if you make income from your sales, whether you're a commission-driven person or you run a business, you got to consistently get that training. I invest a tremendous amount of money into masterminds and coaches and so on and so forth. I got, I got a coach for almost everything in my life and I pay top dollar for it because I'm getting the training so that way I can advance and continue to grow my business and my lifestyle. Yeah. And then the third part of that is, I'll just add add to it, is mentorship. So the training and, and getting making sure you've got the right people in the right places, giving you the right level of advice. Um, sure. But but pick that very, very carefully. Yeah, and, and choose and pay top dollar. I'll give you an yeah. example. Uh, not only, it's not about, uh, you don't, you don't want to cut around for a deal when you're talking about something that's going to that's gonna advance you. If you're buying furniture, get a deal. If you're buying furniture, <laughs> that's get right. a deal. You know, save a hundred bucks on a furniture, piece of furniture. But when it's like, would you want to ask for a discount or a deal on brain surgery? Like, come on, doc, man, you could do it for a 50 grand less. Come on, man, hook a brother up. Like, you don't want to do that. Same thing with your with your mentorship. Think Same thing with your coaches, with your trainers. You want to pay top dollar. I'll give you an example. My coach, my fitness coach is $6,000 a month. And my, my coach has a different body type than I do. My coach is uh, probably 20-something years my senior. He is a different complexion. He's the opposite complexion of me. I'm black. He's white. Um, he's skinny, been skinny or, or been fit his whole life for the most part. Yeah. Now, is he helping me? For sure, he's helping me. Now, there was a gentleman I saw on social media that he had almost an identical body of mine. He's black. He's young. And his chest was big. Like, my chest is big. My stomach, his stomach was big. Like, how my stomach was big, right? So, when I started my journey, I wanted to invest. When I contacted my, my current coach, he said it's $6,000 a month. The person who was most likely that I thought would give me the most value, he said it was $70 a month. 70? Seven zero. $70 a month. $70 a month. So I was attracted to by his results, but I was repelled by his offer. Yeah. I was attracted by his results, but I was repelled by his offer. And so I said, if it's, it's the same thing that you would do if you got a Mercedes Benz and they said it's 70 bucks a month, you say, what's wrong with it? You know what? Never mind. I'm not interested. Right. So when I saw that, when I see that, you want to pay top dollar. So I could go to the $70 and say, oh, I'm getting a good deal. No, hell no. I, I, didn't, I didn't even entertain it. I literally said, hey, good luck on your journey, and I hope you do well. And I went to my the, the, the other coach, and I said, hmm, this is a, quite an investment. You know what? And I went through the normal sales process, like, ooh, this is going to be, I don't know if I should do it. Let me think about it. Let me talk to my wife. Let me talk to my puppy. Let me talk to my let me talk to my accountant. Let me talk to this person. Let me talk yeah. to my mom, right? But I went through the normal, but in the, at the end of the day, I did the deal, and I knew I was going to do the deal, right? So I've been I've been with that coach for a while now. However, pay top dollar because you're gonna get top results. Yeah. So I pay top dollar, and I as I look in the mirror, I feel more comfortable. I'm doing races. I got a me and my wife got a Spartan race. We just did one a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. We got another one coming up in March. I'm you say doing a Spartan a, race. Spartan race. Spartan. Okay. 
obstacle race or where you're in the mud, you're, you're in the mud and, and you're, you're running and you, you what, what, what do you do, baby? You, you climb ropes. Climb ropes. You climb uh, ropes. Is it, it, in Australia, we call it, um, I think if it's a similar mudder? thing, Tough Mudder. Tough Mudder? Yeah, they, they, we have them here too. So, same, same when idea. You said, sorry, mate. When you said Spartan, I'm thinking Abacus. I'm thinking um, <laughs> Chariots. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I'm doing things that I never thought I would be doing. Like last week, last Saturday, I'm like, hey, let's go for a five-mile run. I mean, there was a time I was over 300 pounds. I was not thinking about doing a five-mile run. This weekend, we're like, hey, we're going to do a six-mile run. I'm like, oh, I'm excited to do a six-mile run. Let's lock and load. Let's grow. You know, so there's things that I'm doing now, but because I pay, I pay attention. Yeah. And you, when you're hiring someone, like if, if you're going to hire Darren, like you want to pay top dollar. You don't want to pay yeah. pennies. And, and if you're going to hire someone to help you take your sales organization to the next level, you want to pay top dollar so that way you, they have that focus on you. As soon as you introduce the idea of discount, you, you discount the money, discount the service. Mm. And you discount the value and you never get the result as intended. Pay top dollar. Love it. And I love what you said there is if the people who pay pay more attention. Yes. And they're gonna get they're gonna get you're gonna get the value. And it's all perceived value, but as a service provider, you've got to make sure that you're providing value over and above what that person is going to be paying you for anyway. So that's that's and that's on us as a service provider. Brilliant, love it. So as we wrap up, my friend, um, this has been nearly an hour, so uh, I'm very appreciative of your time, given it's uh, Thursday afternoon, nearly three o'clock in Vegas. Um, where can people learn a little bit more about about Andy, um, Progreta, and also Audate Media? Where's the best place to connect yeah, with you? If you just go to andyaudate.com, A-N-D-Y-A-U-D-A-T-E.com, You'll learn more about progress. You'll learn more about automating your sales process. And I think that's that's the biggest key for me. I, I had a sales team of over 25 different people uh, that their job was, they're considered what we call business development representatives. And their job is to cold call and set up appointments and so on and so forth. We replaced uh, a large portion of that team with technology. And it's not that, and we're able to staff those people into higher skill set opportunities. Yeah. And the value of that for us is that we're able to grow without having to hire and continue to hire people um, as more people are becoming entrepreneurs and so on and so forth, giving those people the opportunity to become an entrepreneur rather than nine to five and work at my company yeah. while my company's grown. So if you're someone who's at a stage where you're like, man, I want to get more sales, I want to get more leads, I want my, my team to have more sales appointments rather than doing cold calling, I'd rather just have them talking to people, go to progreta.com, P-R-O-G-R-E-D-A, which is... Progreta is two words combined, progress daily. So P-R-O-G-R-E, and then the D-A for on daily, progreta.com. And then I can give you a 30-day trial if you're coming from uh, Darren's podcast. Nice. Love it. Brilliant. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the on the podcast. I do appreciate uh, early in the financial year for you because it's um, early January. So um, look forward to uh, following your progress uh, what you do this year. And thanks for being on the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Darren, thank you so much for having me, my friend. Good evening, mate. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.